This is episode 101 of the Equestrian Author Spotlight podcast. I'm Carly Cade, and today I'm speaking with Mandy Flanders. Mandy is an equestrian podcaster and marketing coach. When her eight-plus-year career as a traveling events manager came to an abrupt halt in 2020, Mandy decided it was time to leave the corporate life behind and return to her roots in the horse industry. Today, Mandy hosts the Leadline podcast for horse business owners, as well as monthly equestrian networking events online and around the U.S. Mandy believes that there's nothing better than being able to make money doing what you love most and aspires to help more equestrians do the same. Now, let's get into the interview. Welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast, a podcast featuring interviews with equestrian authors who love all things horses and writing about them. In each episode, you'll hear inspirational stories from horse book authors, including writing advice and marketing tips to help you write your very own horse book. If you're an author, aspire to be an author, or simply love horse books, then you are in the right place. I'm your host, Carly Cade, and creative writing makes my spurs jingle. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I'm Carly Cade. I am so excited to have relationship marketing expert Mandy Flanders on the show with us today. Hi, Mandy. Welcome to the show. Hey, Carly. It's so good to see you again. Yeah, so excited. We first like officially connected in person at the American Horse Publications Conference uh, a couple months ago, and then she visited Arizona, and we got to spend the day together, and we rode my horses out in the desert, and we just had a really great time. It, it was like immediate friendship between the two of us. Do you agree with that? It really was, and it came out of nowhere, really. We knew each other from social media prior to the AHP conference that we went to, but I don't think we really realized how much we had in common until we met in person. <laughs> no, and, it, and that's just the miraculous thing about face-to-face -face interactions and meeting people from our community. And today, Mandy's going to give us a lot of tips on the power of networking to build our businesses. So this is going to be a really great interview. But as listeners of my podcast know, or if you're new to the show, how I always like to kick off the show is getting to know a little bit more about my guest's love affair with horses. So Mandy, can you talk to us a little bit about how horses have touched your life? Yeah, well, I started loving horses when I was super young <laughs> and I don't really know where it came from. It just kind of was birthed out of nowhere. And my parents got our first horse when I was about 13 years old. And that first horse was a disaster. <laughs> it was more us that I guess I should say we were the disasters. The horse was not the disaster. It was the fact that my parents and I knew nothing about horses and they just went out and were like, oh, there's a pretty one. And they bought it. And as horse people know, that's a terrible idea. You don't buy a kid a horse when you don't know anything about horses and have no one to help you. <laughs> so that was how everything started. That horse didn't stick around for very long. My heart was broken. We mm. ended up selling her. And then I got a senior 30-year-old horse that kind of brought me back in and taught me a lot about horsemanship and being patient with horses and how to handle them properly. And, and that 30-year-old was really awesome. So we had her for a few years at that point. But that's where it all started. And I still have a horse today. It's a different one now, but I've had the, my current horse for about 17 years and her name is Lark. So that's the horse that's been with me now for a very long time. 
Oh, and she's so beautiful. There's going to be pictures of Lark with Mandy in her show notes. So please check those out. And that's something else that Mandy and I have in common. Well, a couple things. One, the same thing happened with me with my first horse. It's just the train wreck of not knowing what's going on. So I totally associate with that. But also we love our paint mirrors and we've both had them about the same period of time. So we had a lot to talk about around our love of horses. So uh, that's so wonderful. And then you have done a lot in your career. You started out in the horse industry. You did a lot of awesome things. You took a little bit of a break and you did a like experiential marketing uh, where you were touring around the U.S. Now you've come full circle and you're back in the horse industry. Talk to us a little bit about your background, your business background, and, and how it led you to start this new business endeavor you're taking on right now. Yeah. So back in 2009, I started an online magazine, which was technically a blog called Horse Family. And I had been doing a lot of writing and marketing leading up to that point. I wasn't, this was 2009. I don't want to do math, but I was like early twenties, pretty young (laughs) at that point. So that was my very first horse business that I started and things were going really, really well for me with Horse Family at the time. Everybody was getting wind of what I was doing. I had a really strong social media following and it, I loved it. It was great, but what it wasn't doing for me at the time was it wasn't producing income. Mm -hmm. So even though I was chasing my dream and I appeared to be super successful on the outside to everybody, because everyone on social media was starting to really hear about me and it was really picking up traction. It just wasn't producing the income that I needed like right then at that time. So I ended up pursuing some other opportunities and I fell into event marketing that happened around 2011 and 2012. So I had been a couple of years into the blog at that point, but I was working some odd jobs and, and then decided that event marketing was really a good fit for me. The one thing about social media and doing things online all the time is that you really lack that human interaction. Mm-hmm. And to me sitting behind my computer all of the time trying to run this blog and do the social media, it was burning me out because number one, I wasn't making any money and I really needed to do that. But number two, I wasn't really actually seeing people and I was sitting constantly. So when I fell into doing event management and production, that was just a really good fit because I was able to take my love of marketing and kind of go into that space instead. But it did take me away from the horse industry for a bit. Mm-hmm. But what I love is you're taking all that knowledge from the event. I mean, you are an event marketing extraordinaire, like some of the, which we're going to dive into some of the things that you've set up and you've done for networking around your new business. But let's talk about your new business and and what you're up to. There's a podcast component. There's a community component. Let's talk about what you're up to now. Yeah. So obviously when everything changed for a lot of people in 2020, a lot of folks had to pivot. So up until that point, from between around 2012 to 2020, my husband and I had been working in the events industry pretty full time. Even though we were freelance, we were booking up contracts like left and right. And we were traveling constantly and we were doing pretty well at it. But when events started getting shut down and everything canceled, we had no work and we had put all of our eggs pretty much in one basket. We were either out on the road traveling for different companies, or I was also doing staffing, event staffing for different agencies. So everything that we had been putting our hands into was really all in that same space of events. And then 2020 came and we were like, oh no, (laughs) 
this is bad. And we realized very quickly that things were going to change for us. So at that point, I decided to just take a step back, knowing that I was going to be removing myself essentially from the events industry, not really by choice, but just by the situation, by circumstance. So I stepped back and I said, all right, what do I really want to do right now? And what do I have time for now that I didn't have time for because I was so busy with all of this other work? And I ended up coming back to the horse industry. Interestingly enough, in 2018, I also got my horse back. That's something that I didn't mention when we were talking about our horses a few minutes ago, but I had given my horse away when I was doing all of this travel, I had given her to somebody else. So even though I say I've had my horse for 17 years, technically there was a little gap in between there where I had given my mare to a friend and like, it was a literal gift. I gave her the papers and everything. I didn't know if I would ever get her back. Mm -hmm. That was the, that was the agreement. But in 2018, that friend reached out to me and said, I'm not, I can't keep your horse anymore. Even though she wasn't mine, she was her own, but she said, I can't keep Lark. What would you like to do? Should we pass her on to somebody else. Do you want her back? And I said, you know what? I'm in a different situation now. I'll take her back. So in 2018, my mare was returned to me. And then in 2020, I came back into the horse industry and I now have the lead line podcast, which is a podcast for equestrian business owners. So it's, it's like you said, it's come very full circle because I left for a period of time, gave the horse away, was not in the horse world at all. And then got the horse back and then came back to my horse business. And I love this because it's a story of reinvention, right? Like all those little moments in life that we take that divert us from, you know, sometimes our passions and our love are kind of like, I think, training to bring us back to what our real passions are. And that's, that's where you are now. And you have a very successful podcast and you have really incredible guests. Talk to us about what the show covers and the kind of topics and things that people can learn because this is for horse business owners and authors of horse books. We're in that industry too. So there's a lot of applicable information that you cover on your show. And it's a, it's a great listen. So talk to us a little bit about what your listeners can glean from tuning in. Sure. Well, when I wanted to start the podcast, one of my biggest goals was that I wanted to provide a resource for people who needed a little bit of help to really get that extra push in their business. Mm -hmm. And like I said, one of the things I had struggled with when I had originally ran my blog was that I wasn't, I wasn't profitable and you can do what you love all day long and (laughs) you'll do it for free all day long. Like a lot of us will, especially equestrians will work for free because we love it. Mm -hmm. But the problem is it doesn't pay the bills and it's not sustainable. So when I created the podcast, the goal was to provide a resource to people who didn't want to spend all of that time like I did, just going in circles, not making money and, you know, address the problems within our businesses that prevent us from making money. Mm, Which is amazing. I mean, this, this topic covers so many businesses, but especially in the horse business and especially as authors monetizing things is a, is a huge challenge, uh, because book authors, you know, every book we sell, we make a couple bucks, you know, so you have to sell an awful lot of books to be sustainable as an author. So we always have side gigs or side hustles or our full-time daytime jobs. 
So having a podcast to go, which is a resource to help us figure out how to monetize things and do things correctly in our businesses is such a valuable resource. So thank you for pulling all that together for us. Now, also, you offer networking opportunities for other horse industry business owners, both online and offline, which I think is really exciting. You just had a really successful event at Equine Affair. Talk to us about your thoughts on pulling together these opportunities for other business owners to network together and, and what you're doing in that space. So one thing that was really important to me when I came back to the horse business world was that I wanted to make sure I was providing resources that people actually wanted. And one of the things that I think is an issue a lot of times with different entrepreneurs is that they're so busy producing and creating things and that stuff doesn't stick half of the time. And that's Mm -hmm. the challenge is like, where do you focus your time and energy to produce the best results? Mm -hmm. And so when I launched the lead line, I was looking for different services and offerings that I could offer to the horse industry that made sense to go with what I was already creating, you know, that made sense to go with the podcast. And prior to launching the podcast during 2020, I said, well, there's no events to go to because everything got canceled and I need friends. So why don't I see if I can get everybody together on zoom? Mm-hmm. So in August, I think it was August of 2020, I said, all right, we're going to host a networking event on Zoom. Register here. It's free. Come and join us and we'll just see what happens. <laughs> I had no idea if it would be successful, if people would even want to do that. But I said, I'm going to try. Sometimes you just have to put some feelers out and see if something's going to stick, right? So it was a success. It went really well. And after we got done, I said, well, why don't we do this again? And then I scheduled it the next month and it kept going really well. So I said, okay, let's make this a monthly thing. And so now the lead line has been hosting monthly networking events for over a year at this point. And it's, it's been doing great. But like I said, it was before I started the lead line, but it it kind of became part of that brand. Mm -hmm. So, you know, everyone's come together as equestrian entrepreneurs and business owners. And we talk about things that are like real issues in our business. We not only network, but we also have what I call our mastermind portion of the call on zoom where I've got a series of questions and I say, all right, here's the scenario that we're going to talk about. Tell me what your experience is like. And everyone just kind of shares ideas and shares experiences. Yeah. And I highly recommend your networking sessions, your monthly virtual networking sessions. You get to meet other business owners. They're wonderful. But you also have like a special guest that that comes now, which is a new component kind of that you've been doing recently where a special guest comes in and kind of is the expert right around the topic that everyone's talking about. Everyone gets to comment, but the expert kind of leads the conversation. Is, Is that kind of is that right? Yeah, it really depends on the month. Um, we have what I, I refer to as like sponsorship opportunities. Mm-hmm. So when a specific equestrian business owner wants to be more involved in one of those calls, they can sponsor one of the networking events. And when someone chooses to sponsor one of the virtual events, they're able to come in as like a guest moderator or a guest host. And they oftentimes will come up with their own series of questions or topics to discuss during that call. And then we just kind of guide the conversation and whoever wants to chime in can. Some people use the chat box on Zoom. Others will unmute and they will talk. Others just want to sit there and listen and learn. They don't necessarily want to engage the whole time. So it really depends, but there is always a topic for each event each month. That's awesome. And then how do people 
become able to join these virtual networking sessions? I know you offer a community. Do you want to talk a little bit about your your community for business owners and entrepreneurs? Yeah, so the Facebook community is a space for all of our horse business owners to connect, even though it is branded for the podcast and it is the Leadline community. You don't have to necessarily listen to the podcast to be part of the group. It's not just for podcast listeners. It's just a really good space for anyone who's an entrepreneur or who even represents an equestrian business to come in and use this that group as a space to be, you know, their sounding board. Like, hey, I've got a question. Who is the best service provider for this thing that I need? Or where do I go for this service? Or what do you guys think of this project that I'm working on? It's just a really good space to be able to do that when you need someone to ask questions to. I know that our friends who aren't entrepreneurs are kind of tough to talk to about our businesses all the time because they don't necessarily understand everything that we're doing. And they don't always understand our drive and our passion behind running our own business. And it is important to have people that do understand that. So that community is a really good space. Yeah. It's a very, very well-managed community and a great group of people. Everybody's really friendly and helpful. And Mandy does a great job of of directing it and offering people opportunities to showcase what they're working on and promote their businesses. So great job. That's, that's a great component to the other things that you're doing. Now, your expertise is relationship marketing and networking, which we've just been talking about. You're building all these great events for people to get to know each other. And, and really it's relationships, I think, that build businesses or relationships with readers for authors. Like relationships keep our creative motors running or our business wheels turning. Talk to us a little bit about your thoughts on the power of networking for building businesses or careers. I think that networking and building relationships will actually take you a lot farther than if you were to try to accomplish the same thing without having connections with the, with the individuals that you're trying to reach out to. I use different examples all the time in my career, both in the horse industry and outside of it, as well as in my husband's. But one thing that a lot of people probably don't know about me and my husband too, if you know both of us, but neither of us have college degrees. We did not go to college. So what we've built for ourselves, especially in the events industry was almost a hundred percent a result of the relationships and the hard work that we put forth in that space. There were so many times that I could tell you where we applied for like a national marketing tour to become the tour managers and go on the road with these big companies and big brands. And we didn't even fill out a job application. We just happened to have worked with someone at like an agency or something previously, and they knew our work ethic. And they said, you're in, that's all we need. We just need to know you're interested. You're, you're hired, done. And there are so many examples that I have like that in so many different things that I've done and I've accomplished over the years where I look back and I'm like, you know what, that's a result of building that relationship with that particular person that got me in the door. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's who, you know, usually that gets you moving forward or in how you treat people and how you work when you're in those situations. So 
What are some of your top tips for making the most out of networking opportunities? I know the word networking makes people nervous sometimes, right? You know, it's like going to a networking event. You're like, oh my goodness, I have to talk to people. What do I talk about? What do I do? A lot of authors are introverts and we'd rather be writing or equestrians. We'd rather be, you know, with our horses that communicate in a different way than language. <laughs> so what? how do you recommend someone that might be a little bit nervous about attending a networking event, either virtual or online? get their foot in the door and and feel comfortable? Well, my number one tip would be to not overthink it. Mm. I am a very analytical person and I do overthink just about everything. So it's very important if you're someone like me, not to overthink the experience and what could happen or how you might feel going into a networking event. I think virtual is probably a little bit easier because you're you're on Zoom usually. I mean, you could technically turn the camera off and mute yourself. So it's not as awkward as going into a big room of people where everyone is talking and they all seem to know each other. Mm -hmm. But the one thing that I started doing when I was about 21 and I was starting off as a young entrepreneur was I was going to the business after hours event that my local chamber of commerce was hosting. And I was going alone. And one thing that I realized in doing that, and I did that like on a monthly basis for a couple of years, but I realized that the people that came in groups did not network very well because Mm -hmm. they were so busy in their own circle that they weren't talking to anyone that they didn't already know. And while it's great to get out there and see people that, you know, like I would love to go to a networking event and see you, Carly, (laughs) and we would definitely hang out and chat for a bit. But we would also go out and find other people that we didn't know because the purpose of going to a networking event usually is to increase your number of relationships or network, you Mm -hmm. know, with people that you've never met before. So going without your security blanket, whether that is your spouse or your partner, your best friend, or uh, even a business partner, just somebody that you know, like leave the security blanket at home or make an agreement going in that you guys aren't going to hang out as BFFs the entire session. Mm -hmm. It's okay to take them because there's going to be some lulls. Like you're not going to be able to hold a long conversation with everybody. You're not going to click with everybody. And you certainly don't want to go stand in a corner either because then that doesn't look good. So, (laughs) you know, if you are going to take a friend, just make an agreement to go your separate ways while you're out actually mingling. Mm -hmm. That's great advice. And I've found the more networking you do and the more events you you go to or the more in-person opportunities that you have. I mean, we're all coming back from that time where we were locked in our houses, but it gets, it does get easier to talk with people and walking in with a smile and smiling is one of your best resources, I think, because a smile just warms the situation and, and most people respond really well to that. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. Going in with the warmth, you don't want to stand in the corner with your arms folded or being on your phone. You know, an instant turnoff is seeing someone just kind of standing off on their cell phone. Like that's not approachable. Mm -hmm. So you want to make sure you seem approachable and that you're smiling and look like you're having a good time. But I also think one of the struggles that people encounter is that they don't know what to say to a stranger. Like, how do I walk up to a stranger? And then what, what do I do? Like, Hey, how are you? And then what do you say? Right. Right. (laughs) And I feel like the default conversation tends to be things like, well, how about the weather? Or maybe they'll talk about sports. I'm not really into sports, so I wouldn't have much to say on the matter, (laughs) but 
you have to find something, whether it's some kind of common ground, maybe you talk a little bit about how the event is going, or you ask them a question about their position at the company that they're representing, but maybe even just make a list of some sample questions before you go into a networking event so that you don't feel like you're going to be caught off guard and like you don't know what to say. I love that. That's great advice. And it's a little bit, I think, I feel like it's a little bit easier with the equestrian community because we always have that route of talking about our horses or the discipline we ride. Or, you know, if you're an author, you go to an author event, everyone, you know, is either wanting to write a book, has written a book, or or there's something there. So there's always that common ground to, to fix too. So I feel like those are a little bit easier and the equestrian community is awfully friendly so so go to mandy's networking events you will get a ton of value from them listen to her tips because networking makes the world go around (laughs) now what advice because you've built i mean you've you've taken a lot of different directions with your career you've built a successful online magazine in the horse business then you took your your talents to the eventing space now you're back in Uh, the horse business with a successful podcast and you're bringing people together and networking, what advice would you share with an aspiring entrepreneur or author or podcaster or anybody that has a creative endeavor? What advice would you share with them to to get going? Well, I've learned a lot of lessons in the past (laughs) 10 to 12 years, both in the marketing space, the event space, and then back in the horse industry too. And there's something that really holds true that I really like to preach and share a lot to anyone that asks if I have advice for a business owner. And I've, you know, I've definitely invested a lot of time and money into things that haven't worked for me. And I could give you a list today, but one of the things that I found that worked really well was when I wasn't sure what direction to go in and I had a big decision to make, whether it was hiring a service provider, hiring a business coach, or even hiring a contractor to work on my house. <laughs> I have I have a rule that I follow and I call it the rule of three. And it's that anytime I need to invest any significant amount of money in either my personal life or my professional life, I do my best to find three options. I even did this when I was selecting a boarding facility for my horse when I got her back in 2018. I went and I looked at three barns because if you look at one, you don't really know what other options are out there. If you look at two, you're like, yeah, it's going to be one or the other 50, 50 shot. But if you look at three, you've got a tiebreaker and then you can weigh your options and make the decision that's best suited for you. And that general rule of thumb has worked so well for both myself and my husband over the years, because we have made some bad investments. We've made some bad decisions. We've hired bad contractors and In general, anytime we have to make a big decision now, we're like, all right, we're going to call three people or we're going to try to find three service providers and see which one makes the most sense. Oh, that's fantastic advice. And and that's so, so applies to authors because we have to make a lot of decisions when it comes to our books, you know, cover design, editing, who's going to edit our books, what how we're going to distribute them or put them out there. And all those things do cost money. So if you get three opinions, even a coaching, like if you're going to work with a creative or creative coach or a creativity coach or a business coach, who best works for yours? Because if you go with the first person, you don't know, are we going to vibe? Are we going to get along? If you have three options, I love that. I think everyone should definitely incorporate that into what they do. 
Well, the other reason this makes a lot of sense too, is not only from like the vibing aspect, but from a cost standpoint too. If you get one quote on something, you might think, oh, well, that's reasonable. And then maybe you get two more quotes and you realize that the third guy actually is a much better deal than the first guy that quoted you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even when my husband and I first got married, we moved into the very first apartment together that we looked at and we lived above like a chain smoker for three years. And I was like, you know what? We should have just like looked around because even though this place looked great, there's another place down the street we never checked out. And there's another place over here we could have looked at. And then we, you know, we were in the lease. We were just, we didn't want to move at that point. But if we had actually taken the time to look at three places, we might've found a place that was better suited to us from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes you want to just jump in and do something really quickly, but there's really something to be said for slowing down navigating the options and then making a solid decision rather than a rushed one. That that is awesome, awesome advice. Now, besides your Facebook community, because I know that we're, you know, monetization is so important. So you need to reach your clients and, and people that you want to join your networks and listen to your podcast besides your Facebook community. How are you, how are you reaching out to people and, you know, creating your community in your audience, but also perhaps monetize your services. There's been a couple of things I've done throughout the past year that have worked really well for me. I do spend time on other social media platforms. I won't dive too deep into that because I think that's kind of a no brainer is spending time on social media. I have had, I will say really good success with Instagram and building a community on Instagram as well. Obviously Instagram doesn't have groups like Facebook does, but there's a very interactive group of equestrians over on Instagram that mm-hmm. are just hanging out and they're, they're interacting, they're leaving comments, they're ending up in your DMS. And I've interestingly brought over a lot of the Instagram followers into the Facebook group. Mm -hmm. So now I've got them in both places, but I I do track that so I can see how many people come from Instagram over to Facebook and join the group. It's one of my membership questions when they first request to join. So that's been really interesting. The other thing that was really big for me was when I recently hosted the first in-person networking event from the lead line. And I think that anybody could do this. Anyone, authors can put together a meetup or a networking event. I did it on a slightly larger scale because of my event experience, Mm -hmm. but anyone can host a meetup in their area. Speaking of which, we did a meetup when I was in your town. So (laughs) anyone can organize a, a gathering of people and get them together. And that's a really great way to continue to further those conversations and build on those relationships. Absolutely. And, and it was wonderful. Mandy put together a meetup at a nice little local restaurant with several equestrian business owners that were here in Arizona. And I increased my network and people I knew in the area because Mandy put this together. I mean, that's, that's, that's what you want to be known for around what you're doing here is uniting people, bringing them together and helping their businesses run smoothly. And you're doing a very good job of that. And now that things are kind of opening up a little bit, you're, you're able to look at how you're going to expand that. I mean, what, what's next around your networking thoughts and conversations? I mean, obviously you'll continue the monthly virtual program, which is awesome. But, you know, as you travel, I love how you're always thinking about this. You're like, how can I bring people together? And which is really special. Not, not everyone does something like that. You know, when I first started in the horse business space, or I should say when I returned to the horse business space in 2020, 
I wasn't really sure what direction I wanted to go in. And initially I thought that business coaching was the answer because I've done that in the past. I've done marketing coaching. I do consulting with, you know, events and things like that as well. So I thought it made sense to become, you know, a business coach in the space, but I actually found that there was a lot more interest in people connecting to one another and doing business with one another. So as I continued to build the lead line and really get a feel for what my audience was looking for, it seemed that the networking events were really where it was at for me. I don't know why it went in that direction, but I'm totally okay with it. Mm -hmm. And it just goes to show that sometimes you start a project or a business with a an idea in mind, and then you, you try it and you realize that you need to pivot that a little bit and do something a little bit different because your audience is looking for something different from you. And if your audience isn't being receptive to a service, maybe you do need to change it. Maybe it means just tweaking the service. Maybe it means abandoning, abandoning it altogether. Mm -hmm. It really depends on what you're doing. But for me, the networking events have really seemed to be the hit. So between the networking events, the sponsorships, people do like to advertise with the lead line as well, whether it's the podcast or sponsoring a live event, sponsoring a virtual event. So that's where my monetization has come in, has been through the sponsorships and the advertising and now building the live events off of that. Yeah. And I think you're having so much success because you are so friendly and you do it right. You know, it's not thrown together. It's very organized and you are friendly and you create a great space for people and you're just a natural connector. And it's, it's a joy to see this going. And I love that you mentioned pivoting and shifting because what you mentioned there was your it's like market research, but you're actually paying attention to what the people who are interested in what you're doing are interested in. Because when we create these businesses, it's services essentially for others. So what are those others that are interested in what we're doing looking for? It, does that, does that resonate? Yeah, absolutely. And it, you know, it's not to say that I don't still do the business coaching. If someone reaches out and says, Hey Mandy, I really need help starting a podcast, or I really need help understanding how to put a successful event together. I will absolutely do that coaching, but the demand wasn't high enough for that to be my primary service mm -hmm. offering, mm -hmm. but the demand is very high for building relationships and doing business with one another. And one of the amazing things that came out of doing the first live event at Equina Fair recently was that I've already been hearing that people walked out of that event with clients, <laughs> like the sponsors became clients of each other. It was incredible. It was so awesome to hear after the fact. They not only, you know, made a lot of new friends there, but people are actually doing business with one another right out of the gate. And we're only, you know, it's it's only been a short amount of time. So it's been incredible to see that. And to me, that really felt good for me to be in that position, to be able to be that connector for people to grow their businesses in that way. Oh, that's fantastic. I mean, you can't get any better feedback than that, that your, your event bringing people together actually helped them generate business. Congratulations. Thank you. I mean, that is, that was a big goal. That's why people go to networking events. And I did not let anyone stand in the corner. If I saw anyone in the corner, I was like, all right, who can I introduce you to? <laughs> that's fantastic. And that's what a good organizer will do, right? That help make those connections for people that maybe are a little timid to come out of the corner, right? So it's a, it's a, and you're making it, you make it a fun, safe space as well. I always like to ask these questions because the answers are always a little bit different. And I think we glean insight from hearing each other's successes and struggles, but for you being an entrepreneur, what has been the most difficult part 
But then on the flip side of that, what has been the best part of running your own business? I would say the most difficult part of being an entrepreneur is the unknown, mm-hmm. not knowing if something that you're creating and putting out there is going to stick. Like the business coaching didn't really catch on the way I was hoping for it to. Meanwhile, I saw other business coaches that I felt had less experience than me were like doing really well for themselves and filling these groups and charging thousands of dollars. And it didn't stick for me for whatever reason, even with all of my experience and my marketing and promotion, it didn't stick. And Mm -hmm. that was disappointing, but I took it as a learning experience. So maybe I revisit that later. Maybe it's because not enough people know who I am coming back into the industry. You have to take those things and and understand that sometimes stuff just isn't going to work on the first try. Mm -hmm. So you have to determine, does that mean you try it again? Or does that mean you try something different? And it's difficult sometimes to know the right choice to make next when you're trying to make something work. It's especially hard when you're struggling to make the income that you really need to have to pay your bills and you can't afford to have a miss in your business. And that anxiety, I've experienced plenty of that. You know, (laughs) I was sitting very cozy doing event marketing for eight years and touring with all these companies. But once that backed down in 2020, it wasn't so cozy anymore. And I had to be very intentional and very serious about what it was that I was putting out there. And I'll say this, I invested a few thousand dollars into hosting that live event at Equine Affair. You know, it's not cheap, even though it was small, it was about 40 people. It's not cheap to throw an event, but I knew that was something that was going to move the needle for my goals and what I wanted to accomplish in the future. So I said, all right, that's a very intentional business decision that I'm making to put the money in that space right now, because I know that'll make a difference. Yeah. I I love that you said that. Don't be afraid to invest in your business, but invest wisely. Once you figure out what will move the needle, right? You want to do those things right. And it sounds like that's exactly what you did with this last event that you did. Now, what has been the very best part? I'm sure there's lots of very best parts, but what, what has been the best part of taking on this, this new business endeavor? I think the best part has been coming back to something that I really loved. And it probably started when my horse came back to me in 2018. So it was a few years ago. But when I found out that I was going to be able to get her back, I was just I was a mess. I was crying all the time, like practically on command, like, oh, your horse is coming back. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> I, I, was, I was a puddle and mm. I didn't realize how much I had missed just everything horses. Mm-hmm. I think I made the decision that felt best for me at the time when I gave my horse away and I left the horse industry because for me, I was, you know, I was a newlywed. I was looking to have that income and, you know, contribute to the finances as a couple, but I also let go of things. And in the busyness, I don't think I ever really, I almost want to say that grieved that loss of letting go of those things that I really liked Mm -hmm. and really loved Mm -hmm. my horse being one of them. And it wasn't that it, it wasn't that I had to do that. You know, my husband wasn't like, you know, we can't keep the horse. I just, it was the decision I made for myself at that time because we were traveling full time and board was way more expensive where we were living then. And so all of those factors combined, I'd let all of that go. And I had let the blog go everything. And so once it came back, I, it was just that wave of happiness that kind of just flushed through me. 
And it was very overwhelming for a period of time. And that's just been really incredible coming back to that and realizing that, you know what, this is where I belong. Yeah. And you just described something really magical too, because I I do believe breaks come into our lives that ultimately steer us back to where we're supposed to be. And your story is a great example of that. Like you don't realize while you're in it, how much you miss something, but then somehow you get your muse or the creative forces of the universe or however you want to describe it. Somehow it steers you back to where you belong. I mean, I'm sure you can count on your fingers threads through your life of things that have always mattered. It's the same over here. Horses, creative writing. I don't know. Always somehow those things come back no matter where my corporate career has taken me. (laughs) Have you noticed that? Yeah. And it's amazing. It's like, you don't really know where these things come from, but they're just part of you. Absolutely. And yeah, it's been horses, but I've also... I've also found that like being in the marketing space has just Mm -hmm. always been my natural gift. And I don't know how or why I learned that, but I started it when I was like 16, I was building websites for the family farm. Didn't know how to do all of that stuff, but I figured it out. I was promoting it. I had clients coming from out of state to see our animals. It was crazy, but no one taught me how to do that stuff. I think that sometimes we just have gifts Mm -hmm. and you don't know where they come from. There's just something that you're just naturally gifted at Mm -hmm. and it just happens. Absolutely. And don't ignore those things, right? Like Mm -hmm. follow those, like follow where they take you. I think a lot of times people like push those things away, especially the creative stuff, push it to the back. I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. But it always somehow bubbles up to the top. I wanted to ask you this too, because you've been, you are, you are so talented and you've done so much. And you already mentioned, you know, making an investment in the events because that that's where you're directing your business right now. What though has been the best investment you've made in yourself or your business thus far? I would say if I were to pick one more recently, since coming back and launching the lead line, when I got ready to launch the podcast, I will preface this story with the statement. I don't do anything halfway. (laughs) I like to do everything I do with excellence. I don't mess around. I know that there's a a fine line of like, you know, just get it out there, just produce it. And then there's the the perfectionists that just never get it out there because it's never perfect. Right. Mm -hmm. But I, I just really like doing things well. Mm -hmm. So when I was looking into starting a podcast, I paid $800 for a podcasting course and it's not, it's not cheap. I know anybody can start a podcast, Mm -hmm. but I didn't want to spend all of that time researching everything and learning everything from scratch. And there had been a podcaster that was not in the horse industry, whose name is Pat Flynn. So if anyone's looking to check him out, Pat Flynn runs the smart passive income podcast. And I'd been listening to his show for about a year. Mm-hmm. And once I you know, got to the point where I was ready to start my own show, I invested in his course, his power up podcasting course. It wasn't cheap, but best thing I could have done because I've gotten so many compliments on the podcast and how well it's put together and produced. And I I do do all of that myself currently. I do not plan to do everything myself (laughs) long term, (laughs) but, but I learned from that course and I, I was able to find out what equipment to use right down to the microphone I have today and everything based on that course that I took. And it just saved me a lot of heartache of going through YouTube videos and yeah, you can do stuff for free, but Honestly, if there's something you really, really want to learn and you want to learn how to do it well, you should invest in it. 
Oh, absolutely. I love you're speaking to educating yourself, but also, yes, it was an investment financially, but imagine all the time that you saved doing a course from someone you trusted and you researched and you've been listening to rather than hours and hours and hours going down rabbit holes, trying to research and piecemeal things together. And your podcast is incredibly professional and you've come out of the gate with just this wave of awesomeness. And, and I'm, I'm so excited by what you're up to and where this thing keeps going. So that being said, like what's next, Mandy, what are you thinking? I mean, you've got a lot of cool things in the hopper. Uh, let's talk about what's next. Well, I ask myself that question a lot too. <laughs> I think, I think it's always the question at top of our minds for entrepreneurs. And so for the coming year, it looks like I'm, I'm already working with Equine Affair to host networking events at their next two trade shows that will be in Columbus, Ohio, and in West Springfield, Massachusetts, they do two events a year. Mm -hmm. So I will be looking to host a networking mixer in person at both of those shows. So we're in talks about that currently. But looking at seeing what other opportunities there might be, you know, every time I fly into a new city, I try to do a meetup with someone that might live there. I go into my Facebook group and I say, who who's in this city? And that was how I did the Scottsdale, Arizona meetup is I said, who's in this city? Who wants to meet up for dinner? It doesn't have to be a big to do. Sometimes it's just getting everybody get together for a meal and you don't have to pay anything except for your own food and just tell everybody they're on their own. Mm -hmm. It's not a big investment, mm -hmm. but I, I do think live events is going to be something I'm definitely pursuing and we'll continue doing the virtual networking events and just kind of see where things go from there. Maybe some speaking opportunities, maybe a book in the future. Who knows? <laughs> Yay. I mean, the the future's so bright, you have to wear shades, right? And I, I love that. And you're always thinking about what's next. Mandy, I have so enjoyed having you on the show today. Would you let listeners know where they can find you and your podcast and your networking group online? Absolutely. You can go to the website at theleadlinepodcast.com and there are links to everything there. There is a link on the page that says network or events and you can find dates for our upcoming networking events right there on the website as well as links to our Facebook community. And as far as the podcast goes, we are available on all major podcast players as well as on the Horse Radio Network. Fantastic. And I will make sure to link to all those places in your show notes so people can get directly to you in all the wonderful work you're doing. And thank you so much for the gift of your time. This has been a really, really informational interview. Thank you. Thank you, Carly. I've had a great time being here. Thanks for joining us this week on the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I hope you enjoy these Q&A sessions with wonderful equine authors who love all things horses and writing, just like me. Visit my website, carlycadecreative.com, where you can read the show notes and make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you so much for your support. Want a free guide to secrets of horse book authors? Gallop over to carlycadecreative.com forward slash wisdom to have author advice delivered instantly to your inbox. If you are an author, who writes about horses and would like to be spotlighted, please let me know. Visit my contact page at carlycadecreative.com to fill out a request. I'd be happy to have you on the show too. Thank you for tuning in to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. See you next time. I'm your host, Carly Cade. Creative writing makes my spurs jingle. <laughs>